Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beak, and I'm also a football expert on a local radio show, Back of the Nets. Um, you can get me at on Twitter, at the Eagles Beak, or at underscore Back of the Net underscore. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. I write about football on EPL Index, among other sites, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm the Chief from FPL Hints, and you can catch me on at FPL Hints on Twitter. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys, and Chief for joining us for the first time on the Premier League show that we do here. Uh, We're going to start off, however, with Jay talking about Crystal Palace's recent win. Obviously, you kind of just keep doing this. Kabai gets on the score sheet because I said he wouldn't. How impressed were you with Chelsea's <laughs> performance yesterday? As, as impressed as ever, I think. Um, Southampton are a tough side. They're going for a bit of a rough patch, but they're still hard to beat. So, for me, it was a, a very pleasing performance. It, 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 I mean, we ground out a result against a, you know, a, a side which should be in the top 10 at the end of the season. I think, I think, like I mentioned, they're having a bit of a tough time. But, I mean, for us, we, we, we looked as exciting as ever. Um, perhaps I'm looking at through rose-tinted glasses, but we, we really had a go at Southampton. And we, we, we should really have had a, you know, a couple of goals lead. Um, they played their reserve keeper, Gazaniga, in goal, and I think he made four or five incredible saves, actually, from first ones from Balassi, which, aided by the very blustery conditions we had at Sellers Park on Saturday, it kind of caught the wind and, and almost caught the keeper out, actually. I think he was kind of half watching the players coming in as well as, uh, you know, half an eye on the ball sort of thing. So um, it also made a, an excellent save from a half-cracking half-volley from Kabaya that almost, I was expecting it to put uh, put the keeper into the back of the net. He hit it so hard. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we were excellent, I have to say. We had a lot of... Um, a lot of a lot of possession uh, first half of the game. Um, it took what Southampton a while to settle down and, and kind of get into the game, and they paid the ultimate uh, compliment to us by playing um, a kind of a, th- a five at the back, uh, which they changed to three at the back when they wanted to push on as much as they could. But it didn't really have any width. The only width they had were through Bertrand and um, Cedric, who are, who are full backs. And I, I think for me, Cedric looked a little bit lost in terms of what he was trying to do, whether he should have been defending or. Um, but I think that had a lot to do with how Balassi and Zaha were playing. Both were uh, literally gave, gave gave Southampton a lot to think about, a lot of problems. Uh, we missed Zaha at Everton on Monday night, and he came back and proved that you know we missed the option out wide. You know, having Balassi one side is great, um, but I think they complement each other quite well and give a defence an awful lot to think about. Um, particularly because Balassi roams a little bit. At one minute he's supporting Wickham up front, next minute he's out wide. Personally, I think he does his best work out wide, and and the assist came from him for the goal, which was you know excellent from Kabai. And I think Pardew mentioned alluded to the fact that he didn't know why Kabai was there because that's not really what he should be doing but you know a quality player like Kabai we've paid money for him um, and you know a lot of money for him and you would expect him to do those you know kind of one-off things you know if he, if he shouldn't even be there but he's that kind of player that wants to get in there and how he wasn't picked up when they're playing five at the back I'll never know but I mean I'm not complaining at all it, you know it's a great goal for us um, like I say we should have uh, you know we should have been two or three up perhaps um, if we were putting the chances away we had enough chances but Samson forced their way into it in the second half and uh, yeah we're, we're a tough side to break down to be fair Joel Ward had a great game for us at right back uh, Papa Suarez been off um, off form the last few games but he was stronger on Saturday I think the one player that I would say who 
who really impressed on Saturday was uh, was Jason Punchin. I've been critical of him in the last couple of weeks, particularly at games in the heat at the moment. Um, but he was uh, he was seeing some of his uh, best stuff on Saturday, which is good to see. Um, and that's a Connor Wickham. I don't know what the guy's got to do to score. He's been so unlucky. I mean, he had two chances, which the keeper uh, matched with excellent saves on Saturday. It, it's coming, but for me, he does a great job up front for us. Um, you know, because we've got such an exciting midfield. I don't really care if he doesn't score for the rest of the season, really. Um, you know, if we can continue scoring goals from our midfield and he's laying them on like he is and, and holding the ball up, retaining possession up front, you know, being that first line of defence up front is, is brilliant. It's working really well. So so very happy at the moment. Um, just a, a bit of news from uh, around the club is that uh, we found out on Saturday that the, the, the deal for um, the two American owners to come in and, and take a big share of the club is uh, has been signed. Um, so Saturday was the last last home game for the current four owners um which was uh you know it's it's change of foot i mean they're not leaving the club but obviously they're saying the club is uh a little bit less than uh than it has been so um so yeah perhaps a little a, a sad moment but you know look to the future you know the, the two american owners uh are gonna pump some decent money into the club and uh it, it's very exciting times for palace both you know being sick from the table at the moment in the premier league um, looking for some uh, more points for the end of the year. I think I did an article a couple of weeks ago, actually, in that you know we could possibly be uh, on thirty points or more by the time twenty fifteen is over, and you know three more games to go. We're on twenty six points at the moment. Favorable few games going into Christmas and uh, and the end of the year. We could very well do that. So um, I'm I'm very happy uh, as most Palace fans are at the moment. Uh, performances are good for us, and uh, the team's playing well. So uh, so long may it continue. Yeah, you mentioned Wickham there, and we've brought him up a couple of times. Uh, I hate to put this on you, but it seems kind of like Soldado-esque when he joined Tottenham, where he, he contributed a lot in attack, but just couldn't find the net. I know you said you'd be happy with him not scoring a goal for the rest of the year. Somehow I doubt that your new management rolling in with extra funds will feel the same way. Is that a position you could see yourself strengthening in January? It's a very good question. I, I mean, I've been asked that question a few times. And I mean, the thing is, Wickham's come back from injury. I think it's his third game back from injury. And each game he's been, uh, he's been very impressive. I mean, he was impressive in the win at Chelsea. The way that he gave so much in terms of possession up front and, and being that, that lone striker. We don't have anybody else at the club that can do that kind of role. You know, we sold Glenn Murray to Bournemouth. He, he was the only one that would have done that role. We've invested in Wickham, a younger player, very similar to Mo. See, a lot, a lot of what we saw in Murray in Wickham is younger. And for me, I think he's stronger. Um, it, it just just the way that he fits into the side. I mean, we play with a one up front like a lot of teams do these days, and he just does that role so well for us. And like I mentioned, you know, bit of chaotic, really. Of course, I want him to score goals. And he, I mean, he had two great chances on Saturday, and the keeper made two great saves to deny him. And it was one of those. The second one, he just you know he looked up at the sky as if to say, you know, what else have I got to do to score? Um, so it's a real shame, but it, it, it's coming. And the thing is, we we got such quick midfield, you know. We got Kabai, you got Punch and Zaha and and Balassie. I mean, he's holding the ball up for them and setting them free and kind of unlocking a defence in every game we're playing. So it continues to do. I think he had three assists against Newcastle. I mean, he's playing exceptionally well just without the goals at the moment. We've got Shamak, who we're kind of we haven't had to use him because we haven't needed to because we've been playing so well. And for me, I think Shamak will probably fit into that number ten role a bit better than. Uh, perhaps you know it's another option for us I say a bit better than anybody else I think we're you know we we can't really bring him into the side of moment because we are playing so well um, he can play out front as we know Shamak so I think January is going to come come at a difficult time for us in, in, in the fact that you know Wickham's playing well he might not be scoring goals doesn't bother me in the slightest like I mentioned um, I know strikers you know you want them to score goals but I think you know, football's evolved so much, you know, in, in the last few years in that, you know, you don't get many teams playing two up front. Um, strikers don't seem to score many goals um, at a lot of clubs. I mean, you're you looking at Costa at Chelsea and, uh, and, you know, as one example and elsewhere. Um, as long as you're getting goals from the rest of the team, you know, it, it's I think it's healthy that um, other players are chipping in with goals. Uh, personally, I think it's only a matter of time for Wickham does get a, you know, get on a score sheet. And I think we see him get a few after that. Um 
I think the way things are at the moment, I would rather see us. I think we will bring in a striker um, because I think we'll end up see, seeing the end of the likes of Fraser Campbell uh, and perhaps Dwight Gale. I think one of or both of those may move on in January, and we're strengthened, um, you know, from the bench options uh, very, very possibly. But that's just that's just my view. I think that would work out uh, better than changing anything we currently have at the moment, really, in, in the first eleven. All right, thanks, Jay. Uh, now, Dan. Arsenal top of the league at the time of recording this. Obviously, with all the injury drama that's been cast around again, are you pleased with how well you've performed uh, thus far this season? Uh, yeah, uh, top of the league for uh, as long as this game lasts, because I think we all have Leicester Chelsea on in the background. So. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. That may change during recording, but for now, we are top of the league. And, yeah, I'm very happy. It's funny how, I mean, it's very, very Arsenal-esque, or at least Arsenal fans-esque, that we've gone from a team in crisis with our entire team in the hospital. Like, we, we should build our own hospital, to be fair. But, um, and now in a week, we are in the last 16 of the Champions League, even if we do throw Barcelona. And um, top of the league, it's very, very interesting. It's, and I am very happy with how we perform this season. Uh, this week in particular, Olivier Giroud has got his first ever Arsenal hat trick in just the best of times. I'm so happy for him that he was able to get that because he's, I mean, you know, Giroud gets so much hate. Most of it is over the top. He is a limited striker, but he's also a very, very good striker. And he's shown that all season. He's got, I want to say, 11 goals in his last 14 games, I think. I can't remember if that was before or after the Villa match, but I think it was after. But. Yeah, no, and we're we're not playing as great as we did early in the season, which is to be expected when your second best player gets hurt and your entire midfield destroys your knee ligaments. But um, we're playing well enough to get results. It'll be interesting to see how we do against City with a Ramsey Flamini midfield because that's far from inspiring. Ramsey's playing great, but a combination of Ramsey and Flamini is 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 very very open, and neither of them really stick to their task as a defensive midfielder, which is fine with Ramsey as a box-to-box guy, but Flamini, he's supposed to be the sitting midfielder, but he, he doesn't really seem to know that or care. So, yeah, he's, he's interesting. But um, as far as we're playing right now, it's performance-wise, it's good enough. Results-wise, it's great. Winning against Sunderland and Villa away, I mean, you have to win those games if you want to win the league, and that is our target. So... It's expected, but it's always nice, especially after we drop points against Norwich and West Brom. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the results we're getting, and hopefully we can improve the way we're playing back to the way we were doing it earlier in the season. Yeah, and not to make this sound like the striker roundtable, but uh, you also mentioned Giroud there. Obviously a lot of comments this week coming out about maybe he is finally world-class, I certainly wouldn't go that far. But do you think Giroud is good enough of a striker to get you to that kind of title contention level? I don't think Giroud is world-class, but um, I think, well, obviously, it depends on your definition of world-class. I think he's very, very good. And He plays in the world, so that's Yeah, he plays in the world, and he is a class. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, it's weird, because this season is so weird as I'm sure everyone has said a million times, because it's getting really cliche at this point, but it really is so weird and so unpredictable that no one seems to want to win the league. So maybe Giroud is good enough to win us the league. Uh, I think he he can score at incredible rates and spurts. Then he'll have not such great runs of form, which is where we could drop him for Theo Walcott or Danny Welbeck. With I think they're, they're good options. And I... It's weird because Giroud's been in better form as an individual, but I kind of think Walcott's still a number one striker just because he has a better relationship with Alexis. If you, I don't have the numbers on me on hand, but the uh, numbers with Giroud up top and Alexis out wide, neither of them really seem to uh, play well with each other. So it's weird in a way. I kind of think Theo might still be our number one striker if everyone fit, but the way Giroud's going, you can't drop him and he's playing well enough to keep his place. Uh, I, I think I've always been on this stance as a low, as the only striker. Drew's not good enough, but we do have backup for when he does go and does have bad runs of form. We have capable backup to replace him, and considering how bad everyone else is this season, yeah, why not? 
All right, uh, and as we end your brief uh, segment there, uh, worth noting that Lester have just scored Mares Tavardi, which is who, oh, whoever could have guessed that. Um, all right, uh, well, now we will head on to Chief, mostly known for his tremendous fantasy knowledge, but also known for his fandom of Newcastle United, who may or may not have gotten some result yesterday. Uh, what was your view of that match, Chief? Yeah, hi, Kev. Um we got lucky, to be honest with you. I mean, that's two back-to-back wins now, you know, against two big teams. That's, you know, Klopp's Liverpool and Pochettino's Spurs. That was certainly no mean feat. Um, you know, Spurs got hard done by it. There's no denying um, that. I just I just feel that, you know, we we had nothing to lose. So, you know, we, we just, we the luck, luck came, came in our way. Um, it also shows the tenacity and the will of a manager that has won the Dutch league and managed at an international level. You know, that, that really was McLaren's experience also seeping in there and showing like the class that Newcastle do have. You know, we're not we're not we're not a pub team. We're not you know, we're not a team that should be there, you know, in in the low you know, in the low end of the table. Um thankfully that win has given has given us that two point cushion away from um the relegation zone but i still feel that it masks a lot of the hurt and also a lot of the um reality that is true with newcastle united right now you know the fact is that we've only had five goal scorers in the premier league this season and i think for, almost 40% of our goals have been scored by winaldon and also on the discipline front, we've had three red cards. I just think that we shouldn't we shouldn't get too, you know, over overly excited by these two back to back wins. And you know, to to quote Steve McLaren, we haven't turned a corner. There's so much more to do. Um, but yeah, I'm happy we beat Spurs. We've beaten Liverpool onwards and upwards, as they say. <laughs> yeah, I saw an interesting uh, article since then, which I wish I remembered so I could give it due credit. Uh, it was basically saying uh, Ashley has no right to celebrate with with the fans, considering he's the reason why you're in these situations to begin with. Is that a, a view you share as well, or do you find that a bit harsh? That I I think there is some truth in that. I I just feel that you know with with Mike Ashley, in some respects, he's run Newcastle United Football Club like um, his sports direct business. You know, like like they. We 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 just we're just running it on a very like bare thread way, you know. Like we we if we've got any assets, we get rid of them. Um, we keep it cheap and cheerful. It's like what what is he trying to get out of the club? You know, I it it it, it does sicken me that we're not getting the progress that we should be getting. A club of our stature and. You know, if if he is sincere in his running of the club and in his investment, then you know I, I hope that can be borne out in the transfers and also ultimately in the way the club is handled. So, you know, I, I know those early days in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, when he was you know <laughs> wearing his Newcastle United shirt in the stands and you know hanging out with the fans. But if he ever wants to, you know. If he wants to relive, rediscover those days again, he has to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, I think that's an absolutely fair point. Um, from the Tottenham perspective of that match, I think you uh, are, are selling yourself a little hard there. I think we were clearly the best team in the first half, but then failed to capitalize it on, on it. And Newcastle hung around much like they did against Liverpool, as you mentioned, Chief, uh, and then came away with the points. Uh, and the match changed very quickly as soon as Mitrovic and Perez were both on. Um, I, I still am not entirely sure why they're not getting the start. Jake Jackman said it was likely to do with your trying to play experience up front. We all know Mitrovic has been a bit temperamental, but Perez is just such a pest in, in the area and, and showed it again at the weekend where Vertonghen easily probably could have cleared the ball, but he thought he had kind of shielded him away. And then Perez obviously nips in, puts in a ball that you'd think Hugo would save, but I think the shot came earlier. It didn't really look like he had set himself and just lashed at it and, and managed to get it under Hugo. Um, 
was a very disappointing second half, obviously, for Tottenham. I would love to speculate as to what happened, but Posh said, quote, I don't know what happened in the second half, and I don't know better than him. Um, but yeah. I, I would, well, I, I, mm. you know, I do know what happened. You know, oh, I, I say I do know what happened. I think it, it, it came down to the Europa League fatigue. Um, mm. I think ultimately you've, you've got football on a Thursday night and you've got, you've got a match on Sunday. And I think that, that, you know, that's, you can't, you can't constantly have that and not realize what effect that will have on the team. And, you know, I I know Harry Kane, he didn't play on Thursday and you can't really blame um, his, his um, lack of goals on that, but, you know, collectively on a team, having to play in a short space of time that has its effects as well and you know you know we 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 made some you know sh- uh, tactical changes and it, it paid off for us but it in truth we we did get lucky uh, kev there's no there's really no denying that uh, yeah you, you know you, you alluded to the fact that it was a game of two halves um but have we been consistent throughout this season in our performances and the answer is no mm. the litmus test in my opinion will be that match against Villa at home that is a must win match for us a loss would be disastrous and you know that's against a Villa team that's bagged what six points from 15 matches yeah. if we can get you know a, a comfortable win in that match then I could say there is something there but right now I think it's a combination of Spurs' fatigue and us getting a bit of luck that paid off on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you can very easily see on a different day, Hugo saves that free kick in, which prevents uh, it from falling to Mitrovic's foot. And maybe Perez doesn't get on the end of that ball as well for his goal. So, yeah, I, I would agree luck was a part of it. But also we, you know, failed to, to kill the game, as we say so often on this show, when we have you know, arguments about penalties and stuff. You can't put yourself in the situation to let that happen. You can't put the choice in the referee's hands. And this chance we put the the chances in Newcastle's hands by not sealing the game earlier. Erickson had a chance that was really good early on in the match as well to, that, that could have sealed it. But, uh, we, you know, we didn't, we just didn't do it. Um, so would you say it was less so fatigue, but more complacency? That yeah, I, I honestly... Uh, I'm not sure fatigue was as, as big in this one just because we rotated so much midweek, which we typically aren't able to do because we'd already qualified for the Euros with just, if memory serves, I don't actually have, have the squad in front of me, but I think it was uh, Kane, Dyer, Alderweireld, and Hugo were the only ones that played last week, midweek, and then this weekend as well. Uh, oh no, Kane didn't even play play midweek. We played Sun up front. So uh, three of them. So that's not really that bad at all. Maybe Lamela. Lamela was there as well. Again, off the top of my head. Um, but I think a large part of it is we got kind of trapped in this mindset of, you know, we had 14 unbeaten and that was a very big deal for us. And I think we got trapped in the mindset of trying not to lose instead of trying to win. And I think that that was, that led to some complacency on our part. And also, uh, you came out fairly organized, which is not always the case. Uh, and, and Ericsson, Always less effective out on the left. Wasn't really able to orchestrate. I think we really missed Dembele in this one, who, who we've had lately and has, has kind of been blossoming and helping run our midfield. I, I just think there were a lot of things that came into play. And when you have 14 unbeaten, when a loss happens, I, I'm, I'm not jumping to the we were just unlucky thing because of how fortunate we were to have gone on that run in the first place. I, I think there were just several things that, that happened to go against us. And luck could have been it. And there could may well have been fatigue. People obviously still going to the matches and everything and still have training every day. But I, I think largely, uh, yeah, to, to your last point there, I think complacency may have been the main culprit in our defeat. Uh, in other Tottenham news, the latest stadium plans are up for approval on Thursday. And we drew Fiorentina in the Europa League. Uh, they knocked us out last year because Soldado doesn't know how to pass when it's two players versus the keeper. Uh, of course, the same Soldado that just beat Real Madrid and also the same Soldado who I just likened Wickham to quite harshly. Um, but I, I, I think Fiorentina is a very interesting tie. A lot of people immediately were like, oh, you know, they're not even that good. They're second in Serie A right now, which not going to have that argument over the quality of Serie A because I think it's very hard to compare those and the whole differential thing. 
that's going on with will England lose a Champions League spot. Not getting into any of that. But Fiorentina are a sneakily good side this year. Uh, and so I'm not going to take that for granted. Also, all the people that are like, well, you have to beat the best to be the best. I would much rather beat all the easiest teams in the Europa League and get into the Champions League than have a difficult test every week. I have no idea where that comes from. It's some weird pride machismo thing, and I'd much rather it's just It's really, win. really stupid people yeah. say about the Champions League, too. It's really dumb. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting it right now with facing Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't beat the best unless you beat the best. Uh, you can, actually. If you get a really fortunate draw and make it all the way that's to the, the final, whole, then the you win the title and you're the best. That's exactly that's the what happens. That's point of cup tournaments. <laughs> you don't have to be best. You can just do it anyway. Yeah. I just realized how uh, anti-competitive that sounded. But whatever. I want to be in the freaking Champions League. Uh, and speaking of the Champions League, we always talk about who are the teams that are going to be in the top four, who's going to win the title, who's going to be in the top six. I have a much more interesting question for our panel this week, which is we always talk about those things. But who's in that group beneath it? And who do you think will finish the best out of them? We have clubs such as Jay's Crystal Palace. Maybe Newcastle could sneak up there. Swansea obviously struggling. Stoke doing very well. Southampton still in the mix. Everton, because for some reason nobody ever counts them as a top six club. Which which of those sides do you think really has the best chance to kind of top that group come the end of the year? Before we start this conversation, can we define the top six? Who are the top six clubs? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. People stereotypically the top six, uh, which includes yeah, Chelsea, right. who are obviously awful. So I'm replacing them with Leicester. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. I was going to say Lester. <laughs> I mean, the, well, you, I mean it, you can go for it. If you're talking about finances, because that's like, if you look at the last yeah, five years, the finances, finances equal oh, the top, top six. six. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, I think the finances are, are, are playing a big part in, in how the Premier League is working out this season. Well, so far, at least, anyway. Um, I think you've only got to look at before the transfer window or once the transfer window closed. There's quite a few clubs that are able retain to retain players, which perhaps in other seasons or other summers, the bigger clubs would have actually had a chance or just snapped them up. I mean, Palace for, for a start, I mean, we managed to re-sign three players, which are Scott Dan, James McArthur, Yannick Blassi. They are three of our first names on the team sheet every week. That's the first time I can recall in in an awful long time that we've been been able to retain such players after after a period of after a period of relative success for us, and I think it's we're seeing a lot of that around you know around um, the Premier League. The other one to mention is John Stones at Everton. I mean, there's a lot of rumours of him going to Chelsea or Chelsea being interested in him at, at least, um, and that's a good point. I mean, Leicester are the ones you look at at the moment. Everybody keeps saying. You know, it's gonna. You know, they're gonna have a bad patch at some time. We're still waiting for it. As we speak, they're beating Chelsea one nil. You know, in in the Premier League on a Monday night game. I mean, we could get to a point where we get to mid April and we're still expecting to Leicester to have a, a you know a, a bad run and they're they're leading the Premier League by like four or five points. I mean, that, as crazy as that sounds. You know there is a possibility because their form to this point has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, at the moment they're playing to go back to the top of the table. If I, if I'm if my figures yeah, yeah. are correct, mm-hmm. um, I think a draw would, wouldn't a draw still take them up? Do they have a better goal difference? No, they don't have their goal difference. Okay, so they, yeah, they need to win. Yeah, so I mean, for me, they are the the team that you would look at and uh, look at and think, you know, they've got the points. They're, they're there on merit at the moment. They're in they're, they're well in the top four. I think they're a fair few points clear of fourth place at the moment as well. So, you know, uh, to be fair, I do expect them to have a bad run because they haven't had one yet. And every team has a bad run during the season um, at certain points. Um, you could say the same for, I mean, you, you, you uh, the, the so-called pundits are saying the very same about Bournemouth. They hadn't picked up any points, then they played Chelsea, and then they played Manchester United. This is how crazy the Premier League is this season because they went and beat those two teams. Chelsea, admittedly, everyone's beating Chelsea this season, so that's no mean feat. <laughs> um, and yeah, but you know, United as well. You know, they're fourth in the table. You know, they are beatable, but they're still up there because they've got the points so far. You know, in terms of the other clubs, I mean. Personally, the way Palace are playing at the moment, you know, again, roast into glasses. But yeah, I don't want to play you. Yeah, you know, we we well, this is the thing. We we've had a bad we've had a bad patch already, and we're and we're now sixth in the table. Um, for me, that speaks volumes of um, a how we can react to going going to. I mean, we had four games, including a, a terrible cup defeat at City. I mean, it was a bit of a pasting, um, and we've come back from that, and we've got ourselves back up to sixth place. And 
when you look at the table, we're three points away from fourth place and we're six points away from top of the table before tonight's game, you know, between Leicester and Chelsea. Elsewhere, Stoke. Stoke on their day look decent. You know, they've got some quality in their side. Swansea, they're really struggling. It's a shame to see. Maybe they can turn it around. But for me, I would say Leicester are one team that could realistically break into top four, top six even, uh, you know, perhaps. Um, Again, it's easy to say Palace because we're playing so well and it's my team. I never thought I'd say that we would be looking for a top six place this season. I'd been happy to improve on our 10th place finish last season. So maybe you guys could comment more on Palace from an outsider's view. The other team, like I mentioned, Stoke, but the other team, Everton. I think Everton looked great. We played them last Monday. Tough side. I must admit, we kind of cancelled each other out, really, um, in that game. It wasn't a great game for the for the neutral, but, you know, we, we ground out. Well, we got a point. We took the lead and we, we conceded, you know, late on. But I think the goal was coming anyway from Everton. Two decent teams playing each other. I think Everton looked good. You know, all the time Lukaku's scoring and Delefeu's playing like he is. Very similar. You know, you've got two decent players that are on form, going to get, you know, going to get your places. So... I think you know this season is is fantastic to be watching the Premier League. If it's if it's a, if if you've got new fans watching the Premier League this season, they'll be thinking, well, what you know, why haven't I watched this before? Because it's you know it's been great so far. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B two B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, I think uh, your, your point about how close all these teams are is really well pointed out. I hadn't honestly been looking at that, but rather the places. Yeah, it's just nine points from first to ninth, which I think mm. is absolutely incredible. Ten to eleventh. So that, that's astounding. Everton, for some reason, always underrated, but I know, uh, Dan, you mentioned uh, you, you were probably going to touch on Leicester there. Yeah, um, I, I kind of think they're going to – I don't think they're going to win the league. Let's let's be clear here. They're gonna they don't have that much depth in their team. They're gonna fall off to an extent at some point, but they're not even just on a good run. Like underlying numbers wise, they're legit. Uh, if you look at if you take their performance, they they're probably gonna be able to replicate their performances throughout the entire season, which is why they're not gonna win the title. But if you look at the way they're playing, like underlying numbers as well as results, they're they've genuinely been the fifth best team in the Premier League. It's not been luck. It's been they've got their totally on merit. They've deserved it where they are. And I genuinely think that they'll finish top seven, maybe top six. I don't think they'll finish top four, but it's a whole lot more like... I, I think it's a much bigger possibility than I did three or four weeks ago because they just... They keep winning, and the other teams keep... The traditional top six keeps proving that uh, no one really is particularly convincing this year and they everyone keeps dropping points in games they shouldn't except Leicester it's it's very strange I don't think they'll win the title but I think they'll absolutely finish highest outside of the top six of a traditional money top six and uh, maybe they'll get actual top six it's they've been really good and it's really really surprising 
Yeah, uh, Chief, I, I threw Newcastle into that mix. Are you going to be super optimistic here or kind of choose one of the other sides? No, I'm a pessimist. Sorry about that. Um, I just want to come on uh, what Dan said there about Leicester. Um, I was reading a stat not that long ago about teams that have had the number of points Leicester have had at this stage of the season and how low they've finished. I think the two exception, the two um, instances where you know, there was a comparable instance was, I think, Newcastle United um, before we finished second. And I think it was Tottenham, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, as the well. The season, I think it was. I, I believe so. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure which one it was, but it was like, you know, like, I think in both of the... Liverpool, oh, it was 2011. Sorry, it was... Oh, well, we, yeah. were, we were around there when we had the Vondervaart, Modric, Bale team because we had only lost like twice That's in the first the half of the season. Yeah. And, and what was telling about those teams, and it was tr- it's true in Leicester's case as well, is that the goals for was very high. The goals against was also very high. But those the lowest um, finish, I think it was sixth. So, like, if we base it on uh, the pre-existing trends, Leicester won't finish lower than sixth. And I think that, you know, that's a safe buffer they've got there. The question now is, can they actually you know, push on with their form, which they're doing right now as we speak, and finish at least fourth. And that's not beyond their grasp. You know, it really isn't. They they genuinely could finish fourth. And the, a lot has happened over the course of this season. And I, I come from a fantasy football background, and that's my perspective, that there's two telling things that have really stuck out for me this season. It's really not, it's not been about fixtures over form it's been about form over fixtures and also have a look at the number of away wins especially early on in the season Mm. that also added to the uh, anomalous results that has created the table as it is right now Leicester will they win the Premier League I want to say yes but they probably you know they they will fall short eventually they're going to hit the brick wall The, the you know it might be Mares or Vardy getting injured or both at the same time and they will they will you know fall off um so I I I think that if they can carry on with a mild dip they'll get fourth there's you know let's not let's not pretend that that isn't possible let's not pretend it's not a reality they are really proving their worth and they were top of the league you know prior to the start of this game week as for other teams who are you know nipping and you know chopping the heels of the established elite you know i i hate to um give praise to alan pardew's men but you know palace have been fantastic and there there was that instance um in that match although it might have been wind assisted where you know um kabai smacked the ball and had it not been for a, a wonder save you know that that would have been 2-0 there and then palace have that in them but I think they lack the quality I just think they it's, it's as if they don't have any real strikers in their team that can propel them further up the table I think they could nick sixth for seventh they might need to make a shrewd transfer during the transfer window but they're another one to look out for and you know let's not I, I would have said West Ham actually but they've had so yeah, many injuries Moses and Sako uh, all at the same time absolutely um you know so we've got to you know we can we can, you know write them write them off altogether but as for another outside team that could nick a europa league spot you know watford they're seventh i, know. <laughs> like... <laughs> I was waiting for it and we were talking about percentages of goals is, isn't Igalo been involved in like 80 plus percent of their goals it's, I, th- it's... I think it's something like that well, if you if you add Igalo and Dini, it's pretty much almost a hundred percent. If we look <laughs> pretty much a hundred percent, yeah. I mean, like, what what's stopping Watford? You know, Igalo is that is that twenty six goals during twenty fifteen now, or you know, mm. something along those lines? So then they keep on scoring. Yeah, they're, they're not going to get the Champions League. There's, you know, I I doubt they'll get that far. But um, as for the established elite being challenged for, you know. The uh, Champions League spot, Leicester, based on form, based on positioning, are the only team that stand out. And I'm just surprised. I look at the league table and Everton are 10th. And all those goals Lukaku's been scoring, they don't add up to anything if they're also conceding mm. the same number well, of goals draws. as well. It's, it's what's happening exactly. in Tottenham as well, both on eight. 
exactly and i mean let you know let let's not beat around the bush it it probably will be you know an arsenal a man city uh a united maybe um and a minor team like tottenham or oh sorry <laughs> sorry i said that <laughs> might might nick fourth place but um yeah it it's not going to finish the way many thought it would be uh prior to our predictions um in august but yeah Stoke is another team I just want to give a honourable mention to, and I want to add a caveat that you know they're keeping the clean sheets, they're just lacking in the goals department. They and if they can score, I, I know he went through like a, a horrible life incident, but he's yeah. been back with the team for over a month now and hasn't gotten a start. That, and it seems to be the I, answer. I, I still don't know why it's happening. Yeah, I, I think what, what you know if if it ain't. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I guess that's what they're doing right now. If Stoke can buy a striker of, you know, any remote class, maybe like an ex-Wonder kid, um, as they've already done, you know, starting for them and scoring goals. Can you imagine Pato there? Pato with Bojan and uh, Shakiri and (laughs) Afalai. It's just every starlet that never... A 2010 football manager. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Yeah, and Van Hinkle as well. It's literally every Wunderkind of the last decade that didn't pan out. And all of a sudden, they're kind of playing well for Stoke. Uh, Of all the teams, Stoke City is the football manager team. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean... They just need that one striker. They've got. It's all like. It's interesting you mention. You know, Pato there. I was reading. Is he is he available on a free transfer? Is that right? What, no, he, he's just trying yeah. to push a move to England. Ah, okay. Well, Stoke. It would be his ideal home. I, I do he think he'd be a free in the summer, but I, I think everybody's talking ah. about January. Okay. As for Newcastle, um, you know, in terms of how we're doing, and you know, can we push up to the Europa League and Champions League spots? It's not going to happen this season, you know. When when we, you know, I I, I look at Palace with envy. They've got Johan Kabay. He he should be at Newcastle United, you know. Like he was doing <laughs> wonders for us, and we, we yeah, we've got Wijnaldum. We've got other players who can punch above their weight, but we haven't got the type of players that can perform consistently. And ultimately, that's what we need, and that's what Watford and Leicester are doing right now albeit without the proven pedigree uh, i would like to correct a thing i said i've just looked it up and it looks like his contract expires twelve thirty-one of this year or thirty-one twelve, if you want to be english about it december 31st <laughs> is what i'm trying to say here uh i guess because of the offset brazilian league schedule so yeah he, he may be on a free in january if this is right um so yeah that would be very interesting uh, as predictably, everyone has named everyone that I could have mentioned. Well, I was holding out for Watford. I thought they might slip through, and I could talk about them a little bit with Etienne Capu and and Gomez both doing fairly well for them. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of gonna go back to just kind of the numbers of everything we're talking about, which is if we think Leicester can finish top six, which we all either passively or actually said, then that means one of Tottenham, United, or Liverpool finish seventh or worst. Which means the group we're talking about, Everton, Palace, Stoke, Southampton, all those guys, West Ham, are all finishing below that. And I think that that is kind of a testament to what we've been talking on and off about this whole year, which is how strong that group has become this year with all of them bringing in players that can change matches. Like, I know you mentioned him a couple times there, Chief, but Johan Kabay at Crystal Palace has kind of turned that team into one of potential, into one of ability. They're not going to be good they are now good in the context of of their club um and the whole premier league to be fair everybody's getting results against everybody and so the fact that you have things like you mentioned with everton sitting at 10th or southampton at 12th or chelsea at 16th which we've joked about but that's insane that a side that's cost that much that is that talented that's just months removed from the title is sitting 16th as we speak uh and is likely to stay there with lesser having the the one no lead at the moment it's all just absolutely six, phenomenal. Hmm? Six words sum up this season as it is right now. Form is key. Class doesn't matter. <laughs> is that anybody's <laughs> catchphrase or anything? Or? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> Interesting. Hashtag marketing. Um, also, uh, you mentioned 
how bad Aston Villa are uh, and how much everyone thought Bournemouth was an automatic lock to go down. But mm. they're currently two points away from safety and ten points ahead of Villa. So <laughs> while everybody has been distracted by all the, the catastrophic injuries that have befell Bournemouth, I, I'm still not sure that they're going to stay up, but I am tremendously pleased for both Eddie Howe, who, again, I think is a very talented young manager, and a side that will not give up, even in the face of such adversity. And, you know, they get Elphick back, probably, in January, uh, who's been their captain, one of their better defenders. They may make a push for safety as well, but I just wanted to say, while everybody's been talking about how awful Bournemouth have been, and how beset by injuries, and they have no chance, 10 points off Aston Villa, who I think people have given a ride because they made the manager change. Everybody knew Tim Sherwood was... Well, I can't say that live. Um, uh, man, what's a nice... Uh, not, not a very good manager. Okay, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, not Insane. always tactically astute. Um, so everybody kind of no. gave them a pass. Maybe they have the players. They brought in all their Frenchmen in the summer. All of them were highly rated. Uh, and now Remy Guards come in. And everyone's like, oh, well, it's going to take some time to right the ship. When's that going to happen? Six points. <laughs> As we sit right now on December 14th, 6. That's that's historically awful. And and I, I don't know how they're going to, to rectify it. Uh, Swansea, I do think, have a shout if they bring the right manager in. And I'm not sure that's Bielsa, who's currently leading the betting odds. But as we talked about on... Oh, that would be awesome. Whatever I don't show. Care if it works. That I know, right? Be It'd awesome. be so great. Also, it would make the Tottenham-Swansea matches really interesting with Potch being kind of his star pupil. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be a very interesting thing what they do there. I think that the, the concern I have with Swansea sacking Stoke is that you would think the way that it happened, with how long it took once they were already kind of... They'd struggled. They'd only won one in 11. You'd think that the gears had already started to turn on who would be in next. And it concerns me a little bit, like when Sherwood was appointed at Tottenham, when we sacked AVB, and clearly we had had no, no second option. I think the issue with getting rid of Monk is they got rid of Monk because they were looking up the table and thinking, man, we should be up there. Instead of looking down the table and realizing that it's now been a week and a half, going on two weeks since they sacked him, they don't have a replacement yet, and if they appoint the wrong person and it's too late, and if they're not willing to buy into whoever that new person's vision is, they could be looking down the table, which I think is a thing that would come to as a surprise to most people, considering both how they started this year, how they performed last year, and I think while getting rid of Monk was the aggressive move, it could come back to bite them, which is a thing I'm not seeing many people talk about. Everybody holds Swansea in a high regard because of how they're run and because of the football they play. But they are in legitimate trouble if they don't make the right choice here in the next week or so with who their new manager is. That's super not related to the topic, but I just realized I had a lot of feelings about that. Um, I thought Sacking was insane, so I'm sorry. with you. Yeah. Um, I thought Sacking was insane. Yeah, I, I mean, 1-11, you're going to get sacked. That's just what the Premier League is now. But it's dangerous, especially when you're on points level with who, who, with Norwich, who mm. are currently in the relegation zone. I, it was a very bold move, and a lot of times people shy away from bold moves. So, uh, you know, Swansea have been very well run up to this point. Uh, so I'm mm. willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But uh, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I, it's very surprising that everyone seems to just kind of be on board with Swansea will be fine. And I don't think that's a guarantee. Uh, <laughs> anyway... West Ham, uh, yes. Uh, if it not for their injuries, I, I'd have them up a lot higher. I re I was very surprised when I watched the Tottenham West Ham match how good Lanzini really was. Um, I was very impressed by how he did, especially once he went in for uh, uh, for Payet, who they also missed out. Also, Riyad Mahrez has just scored. Hey, Chief, how many points did that get you? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just to let you guys know, um, as per the Whoa, last go. podcast, yeah, I, I do not own Riyad Mahrez in my fantasy football team. Uh, oh no! Um, so I, I used to have him, but then I sold him because he, I think he didn't start a match. He got injured or something, and I bought Vardy instead. So I thought that that would offset that because Vardy was on his run of goals, and here here he is. Uh, he's on course for another hat trick, um, and my fantasy team is on course for another red arrow. So there we go. 
Heck, not that I'm watching this game in the background, but holy crap, that was a screamer. That was a great goal. That was such oh, a good no. goal. Sorry, back on back on topic, Kev. Yeah, I was talking to a fellow Palace fan uh, before the game on Saturday, and he made an excellent point, which is something I hadn't even thought of. But as the uh, current table stands, or if Leicester win tonight, Palace will be nine points behind Leicester. Now, if somebody has said that, that would be nine points behind Leicester at this stage of the season, we'd have been worried. Uh, they were relegation <laughs> candidates coming into the, the season. Exa- exactly. Yeah. But then, yeah, exactly. But on the flip side, if somebody has said we're 11 point, we'd be 11 points ahead of Chelsea at this stage in the season, <laughs> you know, those, those two scenarios in, in, in one sentence are just says to me how crazy the Premier League is this year because you know you say you say one Leicester being so far behind Leicester at this point in the season we'd have been thinking wow we're in big trouble uh I don't know flip side so far ahead of Chelsea you know mm. what what sort of division is it so yeah just uh, just an interesting point I hadn't thought of before the game on Saturday so uh yeah it's crazy times yeah we had a gym on on last Thursday and we basically were talking about how if you just change Leicester and Chelsea's name everything looks fine on the table <laughs> like everyone's about in the right area we're just like what like they're literally inverted and it, it has been absolutely incredible uh what i was uh, saying before the mares uh goal uh west ham have a very interesting opportunity in january when everybody's trying to strengthen and bring in other players that they have to kind of fit into the fold where all of their own players will actually be back i may be wrong in this but from memory i think that they never had alex song and payet play a match together which is probably their two best central midfielders um so that will be very interesting they have the talent to do it i don't believe in andy carroll at all but i like diafra Sacco. i like enter valencia who it looks like may be set to return a little bit ahead of schedule uh from his injury so they are a team to kind of look out for but i don't think they're going to push the top of that group which i think will be a disappointment for them um considering how how much talent they have amassed at the club also who's who's the player that they got that like no one's ever seen play I always forget. The one they signed from the championship uh, that everyone was excited about. Antonio. Mikhail Antonio. Uh, mm-hmm. And he never plays at all. That, that'll be an interesting one to see if he gets playing time now with all these injuries. Uh, and the Victor Moses he loan. He is strictly for when the West Ham people play FIFA. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no, he played, he, he he played, played on Saturday. Actually. He played oh, well, did he? Yeah. oh, did he play well? Yeah. Cool. So he's not just yeah, like a figment of imagination. He actually exists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He does. He's a good player, I have to say. But hmm. I think it's just by waiting for his chance. What were the you know the luxuries at West Ham? Yeah, we were just talking about Moses Lancini and Payet. And... Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I think you know to to bring a player in from the Championship, probably not going to get a start. Uh, I don't know. We now. did it with a player from League One. That kind of worked. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly right. Well, we you know we got Sacco from uh, from Wolves, and we, yeah, why know, was we... nobody else? I remember when you came on and you were saying that Palace fans were upset with that signing. What was that all about? Well, well, this is the thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a player from a lower league. I, I like Palace doing it. We we always have done, and I don't want that to change because there's still some gems in that lower league. I mean, we got Scott Dan from Blackburn. I mean, I rest my case. I, I really do. Um, Sacco is a great option for us. We got him on a free transfer. Um, his wages are too high for Wolves to offer him a new contract. Um, why anybody else didn't give him a you know give him a go? He's injured at the moment, but he's a fantastic option for us. And to be fair, if we didn't have Zaha, you know, he's got Zaha and Blassi in front of him, and they're playing so well. But he's an but in place. I- he's an in-house replacement for if either of them go, or whenever they're hurt, or whenever they're suspended, Zaha for diving too much. Exactly right, but my theory is that bringing Sacco in, somebody of his quality can push those two players. You know, before mm. that, we didn't have another winger really that was pushing them for their position. Um, now we have somebody of Sacco's calibre who can be on the bench and say, right, if you're not playing well, we're, I'm going to bring Sacco on. So there is that added pressure, which I think is healthy competition. It really is. Yeah, no arguments from me. Uh, we are starting to run out of time, but we, I do want to get to player watch uh, quickly where we each mention a player that impressed and one that disappointed for our club this week. Or if you're too optimistic of a person like Jay and you've always hated this segment, you can mention a player <laughs> that impressed for the other side. So we will start off with Jay in Palace's match against Southampton. Oh, dear. well, 
no surprise that I can't tell you anybody that didn't impress in the game because there wasn't anybody. Um, it was a half-fault victory against a decent side, Southampton, as I mentioned before, that are going through a bit of a rough patch, but it was you know, it was no mean feat. They could have actually gone home with a point if it wasn't for Wayne Hennessy making that save in what almost the last kick of the game. Um, it is really tough to choose who impressed me the most. I, it's There were so many good performances, but I'm going to give it to two players, and I'll explain why. Jason Punchin, for one, because I've been critical of him over the last few weeks. I'm not a critical guy. It's only heat at the moment during the games I found him frustrating. But it's getting towards the 1st of January. Um, you know, The second half of the season is notoriously the period of the season that Jason Punchin played well. Um, first half of the season, he's normally average. You know, he, He's still a quality player. He can do something a bit special, which is why he keeps his place in the team. But he's one of the senior players. Apparently, sees him as that. Um, and he's and he came good on on Saturday against his former team, admittedly, but he had an excellent game. Asked a lot of players, but I think he just edges it because of his recent performances. He played well in the second half against Everton, I have to say. Um, but because a lot of people have been critical over him being selected over some players in recent games, I think that was a great uh, great return for us and you know, for Punchin to to play well. And the other one has to be Wayne Hennessy. He has divided opinion among Palace fans for quite a while in terms of who are. Goalkeeper, goalkeeper should be. Sproni is a lot of fans' favourite still, even though he started the season missing a few games through injury. Hennis has made a couple of mistakes. McCarthy made me a few mistakes, which until he got injured, you know, he wasn't dropped. He got injured um, in training after the Tottenham game, which has given Hennessy his chance. And in the last two games, he made a cracking save against uh, Everton on Monday night. I don't know how he got to it. And again, in, in the game against Southampton, he made two saves, which, well, which, which, which kept us with the win and, and gave us the three points. Otherwise, if Shane Long had scored late on, that would have been, uh, you know, we'd have dropped two points and in a game that we really should have won. So um, it, for me, it's shared between Punch and Hennessy because they both impressed me on Saturday. All right, Dan, who impressed or disappointed or impressed in Arsenal's match at the weekend? Uh, for impressed, I'll go with Aaron Ramsey. He's had three games in a row now at central midfield after playing right wing for about six to eight months, and uh, he scored two goals, had two assists. This today, or not today, yesterday, uh, it was a goal, and it was, it kind of showed everything he brings to the team that Santa Cazorra doesn't. I actually kind of submitted an article like an hour ago about this, so that should be up while you're hearing this on APLindex.com. Random plug. But, um, yeah, no, he tackled, uh, who was it? It was just a guy, ran up the pitch, and scored within 13 seconds. He just he provides that goal threat that Cazorla doesn't for all the great things Cazorla does bring. Um, no, but Ramsey's been really good in central midfield, continued it today, or yesterday. Uh, for disappointed, I gotta go probably Hector Bellerin. He didn't look that bad, and no one was distinctly bad, because it was really hard for Villa to make anyone look distinctly bad. But, um, he's struggled for the last couple games, ever since he came back from that groin injury after, um, meeting the, one of the goalposts at Swansea City. Very, very, very hard. Um... If, I'm not sure if any of you guys saw that, but against when we played mm-hmm. Swansea, he just he cleared something off the line, which was offside even, but uh, and he just slammed yeah, yeah, the off the goal line, like, yeah, at top speed. But uh, he hasn't been the same since then. I think he'll get back to it eventually, but he wasn't great. Didn't have the same attacking thrust he usually does. So no one was really bad, but I'll say he was the most disappointing. All right, and Chief, I'm going to have you on double duty here. Uh, fantasy interest in Ramsey. I've seen some people think that this was a one-week thing, and when Alexis comes back, he's less effective. Ramsey worth a buy? Um, so long as Sanchez isn't about, so long as he hasn't got form, I think Ramsey is good to go um, as a fantasy pick. Absolutely. I, I had a look at him uh, before game week 15, and he was someone that definitely was of interest because with Ramsey he has that ability to push up as and when required when other attacking players uh, for whatever reason are unable to fill that void if you don't have Ozil there's no harm in you know taking a short-term punt on Ramsey would you have Ramsey and Ozil I I guess you could get away with it but am I right in thinking Arsenal have got Man City um, as their fixture for the weekend so perhaps you, are you know, correct. yeah. So you may want to give, Monday. yeah. So you you might you might want to give it a miss if you're thinking, you know, thinking of it on a short term basis. But 
I would say, you know, if, if you if you're if you're if you're chasing and you're desperate, have a punt on him. But that's it. Do you play form or do you play fixtures? I would say go. You know, fact factor in his form. But would I buy him against Man City? Only if I was. Only if my other midfielders weren't up to it. Um, he's a punt at best, but mm. a good punt. And coming on to those that, um, you know, I looked at over the weekend, it has to be said, you know, although Newcastle didn't keep a clean sheet at White Hart Lane, Rob Elliott. You know, oh, yeah, he had a great day. Seven saves that kept us in the game and ultimately contributed to us um, getting the win there. Now, there's something that was quite interesting. You know, you'd think that, oh, he's the understudy to Tim Krull. I, 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 for some reason, I thought he was like a lot younger. He's actually 29 years old. Wait, seriously? Caps- I thought he was like yeah. 23. Wow. Yeah, no, he's 29. And he's he's had caps for the Republic of Ireland. So, you know, that guy, he has got some experience there. He's not he's not like a young pup who's just been released out to the the, the you know the, the dangerous world out there. He's got he's got that experience. So you know, I guess he showed it when it mattered. And, you know, credit credit due to him um, with respect to the performances he has put in. So, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, he was integral to our play. Uh, conversely, I have to say that Papi Cisse, he, he started against Tottenham, but he's just been a shadow of his former self. And Perez has really... been so good. Stop doing that. Play Perez all the time. <laughs> well, well. The thing is, with with Papi Cisse, um, he had that good form. Do you know when we bought him in? I think it was Jan twenty twelve. Oh my gosh, that goal against Chelsea is still it still blows my mind. Yeah, that's. I mean, you you'd, you know when he did that, you'd think he'd do that every week, but sadly that wasn't the case. But ever since that second half of the season, I think it was uh, Jelovic who was also bought around that time for <laughs> Everton, yep. and then he never did anything good. I think it was just a curse of that half of the season. Um, it was also they... Suarez who disappointed in his first few months at Liverpool as well. That's that was right. All the same yeah. January. Yep, that's that's true. So also, we the, got uh, Luis Saha, so <laughs> <laughs> must be those winter blues that uh keep, you know, keep them on their toes. But <laughs> no, he's just been a shadow of his former self and you've got, you know, Mitrovic who has the discipline issues, but he's been chipping in with the goals here and there. You know, does he warrant a start more so than Cisse? I'd say yes. And then you've got Perez who, you know, he's he not had a consistent run this season and he, he showed flickers of promise last season. Do they deserve more of a start than Papi Cisse? I would say yes. Um, it, it's just a question of, you know, what's gone wrong with the Senegalese international? And it, it's a combination of lack, you know, lack of confidence, lack of team consistency, also, I think it's also due to the, the change the team has had over the last one to two years. He doesn't play with the same players. He's not getting the service he used to get. That might be a factor as well. So, yeah, that's my biggest disappointment. Papi Cisse, I hope he does improve. I hope he does get better. But, you know, I, I personally think we should sell him um, as and when we can. But as for Rob Elliott, you know, you can't knock him as an understudy. Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, hard to uh, do this as it can first half Tottenham impress and second half Tottenham depress. Also, is that the opposite of impress? Um, hmm. All right, I really should have uh, redone this, but I was watching this match. But uh, for Tottenham, I'd say probably who impressed in the first half the most was probably Della Ali. I saw a lot of hatred towards him after the match, saying he didn't seem up for this one. He was playing further up the pitch, which I don't think is his greatest asset, I think his greatest asset is being able to pick up the ball somewhat deep and then just charge by everyone, which is where a lot of these kind of uh, cheap Yaya Toure analogies and comparisons come from, just because they, they can both charge with the ball somewhat well. Uh, I, so I liked what Delali was doing in the, in the first half. He was really being able to, to kind of put the, the Newcastle defenders on the back foot, which not many of our players were doing. Uh, second half, the player that disappointed very easy, uh, Eric Dyer, who misplaced probably 10 passes in the second half. 
anytime we had to like maintain possession or try to push forward, he was giving the ball away. He wasn't really shielding the back four as he as he usually does. Actually, Chief, I owe you an apology from early on in the show because Dyer was one of the ones that played those three times, and he definitely looked off the pace. He really did. Uh, so yeah, it, I dismissed that earlier, but yeah, Dyer did look just awful in the second half. He really did wasn't able to break up play and wasn't able to contribute to our play. And those are the two things he's meant to do. So uh, with apologies to Chief, I will also add uh, Eric Dyer to the player that disappointed to me. <laughs> Thank you very kindly. You're you're a very nice man. Um, all right, it, it makes up for the the you know at one point I had 15 fancy points. Um, but you know when he conceded, when Tottenham conceded that goal and then conceded more, yeah, um, I lost a lot of points. So yeah, yeah that, as that... did I. I told everybody to pick up Danny Rose and drop uh, Eric Dyer, who had an oh, awful no. real life day, but had a great uh, fantasy day with the headed goal. Um, but yeah, yeah, apologies to uh, Mr. Mark Simpson on Twitter. <laughs> Go follow him. Uh, but yeah, so with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beak. You can catch us or uh, well, check out the site, theeaglesbeak.com. Plenty of great stuff, not just Palace articles either. Um, we're on Twitter at the Eagles. Also a football expert on uh, the Back of the Net Football Show, which is on a local community radio show. You can get me there on Twitter at underscore back of the net underscore. Thanks for having me on. I'm Dan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. I am the chief at FPL Hints. I'm also involved with the Fan Feud podcast, and you can also catch me on my blog. Just Google FPL Hints. Yeah, and I think I, I'm set to make an appearance on that uh, podcast tomorrow there with Chief. Um, busy week for me. Also going to be on All in Sports Talk with uh, Dave Hendrick and Steve Gennaro. Dave Hendrick, obviously a frequent appear on this very show. Also going to do the Fine Pub Sport podcast with Steve Boniface. Although it's much more fun to say Italian Boniface, which would mean good face. That's much more entertaining. Uh, but you can find my writings over uh, at blog.playtaga.com and over at theeaglesbeak.com, where I have a weekly uh, fantasy article on price points and players to bring in and drop from your fantasy sides. So with that, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us again, or in the, the case of Chief, joining us for the first time. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. 